electricity, a big idea that's inspired countless new ones. From powering the light bulb to virtually powering our entire lives. 30 years ago, State Street launched the Spider S&P 500 ETF, SPY. A big idea that inspired the world to invest differently. And still does. What can you do with SPY? Before investing, consider the funds, investment objectives, risks, charges, and expenses. Visit SSGA.com for a prospectus containing this and other information. Read it carefully before investing. SPY is subject to risks similar to those of stocks. All ETFs are subject to risk, including possible loss of principal. Alps Distributors, Inc. Distributor. Right now on Fast, the market closing out April with a major sell-off. The Nasdaq down more than 13% this month. The S&P off close to 9%. The Dow down around 5%. And next week, we get a Fed decision. So how should you position yourself now? Plus, charting a course for safety. The chart master is here to tell you where you may be able to build a defensive position in the market he thinks is going to get worse from here. And later, shares of Alibaba bucking the trend today. A look at why the biggest tech stocks in China ended the week sharply higher. This is Fast Money live from the Nasdaq market side in the heart of Times Square. I'm Melissa Lee on the desk tonight. Tim Seymour, Courtney Garcia, Bonwin Eisen, and Jeff Mills. We start off with a brutally rough end to a historically rough month. The Nasdaq plunging more than 4% today, bringing its losses for April to over 13%. Its worst day um, for the Nasdaq since September 2020. Its worst month since October of 2008. And the highest growth names taking the biggest hit. Kathy Wood's flagship ARK Innovation Fund down nearly 29% this month. Its worst monthly loss since inception in 2014. The S&P and Dow also dropping today. The S&P posting its lowest close of the year. It is now off 14% off its record high. Hit January 4th. And for the second Second Friday in a row, the Dow ended the week with a nearly thousand point loss. Leading the way lower today, Amazon, whose 14 percent loss was the biggest since 2006. The company cutting two hundred five billion dollars from its market cap in just the last 24 hours. That, by the way, is more than two Netflixes. So as we get ready to kick off a new month, thank goodness a new month is coming. What is the market trying to tell us, Tim? Exhale. I mean, a week when 50% of the S&P reported, and, and I've got a couple more stats. I mean, we lost a trillion in FANG market cap this month. Um, we're within, you know, 20 basis points of two-year notes, which closed on a high for this cycle. So in other words, back to December 2018 on the low end of the curve. And rates are important, folks, for equities. Um, but you're 20 bips away from back of May 2008. So uh, all of these things. But look, the, the earnings this week, we, we, the good and the bad of Apple was, for, for me, what I heard about was, Supply-side dynamics, we heard that largely from a lot of the companies that reported. I thought we heard a little bit of demand-side from their services business, um, but, but really we haven't heard demand-side issues from anybody. And, and that's the part of this that concerns me when I start talking about rates and where the consumer is. The consumer is doing just fine right now. If you listen to most of these companies, um, they're telling you that their business is very strong. What the market is doing is, is trying to price in where we are. Fed next week, going to go 50, um, going to go 50 the following month probably or more. And, and when was the last time that happened? I'm checking my history book, but I can't find it. 50 and then 50, potentially 75 is yeah. basically what you're saying, Courtney. Are you still feeling good about the consumer or do you think we do not know yet the impact on the consumer of all of this, whether it be inflation or rising rates? We're going to have to continue watching it for sure, but I do think there's some really positive signs with the consumer. When you just looked at the spending reports that came out, despite the fact that inflation is still really high, the consumer is spending, and they have so much cash that they're sitting on after the pandemic, and they're willing to continue to go out. And that's where you want to look at companies that have pricing power, because people are willing to still travel, still go out despite prices going up. And I think that's still a positive sign, but we're definitely going to have to continue watching it. 
Yeah, I mean, I think the consumer has been strong, but I mean, I think we need to keep in mind that we've come into this with a consumer that's had, you know, a higher savings rate, and we're starting to see them dip into that. Yep. We're starting to see them access credit, and that credit is now going to be coming at a, at a more expensive rate. So while I do think that is a pillar of strength for the time being, looking forward and where we should be pricing stocks on a forward basis, I think that is something to keep in mind. There, and, yeah, sorry. There, there is a limit to price increases, and we sort of heard that from Colgate-Palmolive today, Jeff, in, in terms of they can raise price. But how many at what point do the, does the consumer start balking at these price increases, which we've seen already for the past, I don't know, year, nine months or so? Yeah, we've heard it from some of the staples. We've heard it from a company like Gap, where they rely on discounts quite a bit. And that's going to be problematic for these companies that don't have pricing power because margins are going to get squeezed. These companies have also been building inventory pretty dramatically. I feel like for previous demand, not future demand. So what kind of situation do they find themselves in when the consumer does pull back? They have all these inventories. They have to discount them. Um, That does concern me a bit here uh, going forward. And I think we talked about this maybe off air last week, but uh, talking about consumer demand and just generally the fundamentals. So obviously the stimulus checks we're all aware of. Uh, A stat that sort of made my jaw drop was that Over the past two years, consumers have taken out $427 billion of cash-out refis from their homes. Um, Still untapped equity in houses, but now they're going to have to get that at almost double the interest rate. So all of this supercharged demand that we received over the past couple of years, you know, starting to dry up just as the economy is starting to naturally slow. Uh, And I think we talked about this last Friday. It was a very similar day. Uh, Google was the canary in the coal mine. It's a reasonably valued stock that broke below uh, previous year lows. And we kept saying, okay, what's the next shoe to drop? Well, Amazon was, NVIDIA was, you know, now Microsoft is testing those those previous year lows. So, um, you know, I hate to continue to be so negative, but I think that's just the kind of market we're in right now. Yeah, it's feeling like big cap is, is really starting to crack at this point. Tim, if you took a look at the market action today, Smith, small mid caps, they did better on a relative basis compared to the S&P 500 or broader indices. Smiths and small caps, Smiths. Um, look, I, there's <laughs> supposed to do better also in an environment where, you know, think about the economy and think about all the nearshoring and lack of offshoring. But more importantly, think about the strength in the dollar is another big stat from this month. As we look back on April 2022, the dollar rallied 5 percent this month. So an environment that should be very good for small to mid caps with a consumer that, that does well. I, I expect they'll continue to outperform here. The, the couple other market things I think about here are one, we're going into a month of May. And if you're someone that believes in seasonal dynamics, May is, are you really going to say it? I'm here. I am. Here I am. I'm sure Guy, he's listening somewhere. I I just think um, the the fear factor that tends to overshoot in May, even as we get into June, uh, and sets up for some great summertime rallies, just just, throwing that out there. The other thing is we keep talking about, hey, Facebook, excuse me, well, Facebook hadn't grown this slowly since pre-IPO, but I'm thinking about Amazon this week, where pre-pandemic, this was a a 20% grower. They grew 7%, so they haven't seen that kind of slow growth. The market rallied 20% into the pandemic. And we keep talking about these pre-pandemic levels. We were a market that I thought was even a little over its skis going into that period where we rallied. And we're we're putting all companies now, especially in Amazon, and trying to weigh them where they were pre-COVID, two-year stack, two-and-a-half-year stack. And I think that's the exercise. I'm concerned about even where we started. So so the question, I guess, for people at home right now is when is it time to start thinking about buying? Or is it feeling when you take a look at the VIX, for instance, and we're, what, five points off of the 52-week high? Bono, and you're probably looking at this closing the week at its high, which is not a good sign and not typical VIX action. I mean, do you start thinking soon? Uh, I think you should definitely start putting together a shopping list, certainly. Um, The VIX being at this elevated rate can 
keeping in mind the regimes that we've been in historically have been sub-14, sub-12 yeah. fixed levels, right? I think this is an opportunity for you to actually be using options to get into positions. And that's why part of the reason why I think we continue to see such an elevated rate in the VIX is that people are putting in call positioning as opposed to building in core positioning right now. Selling calls. On on long stock. Selling calls on long stock Uh and buying calls as opposed to uh, buying core positions. So I think options are a way for you to kind of lever into that. And then as we start to look better from a technical standpoint, you start to establish that more core position. Yeah, and I don't think it's a bad idea to start to kind of dollar cost average in here because we've had such a sell-off, especially in tech specifically. It was easily the thing that's selling off the most. And I wouldn't be surprised if we see some sort of bounce here. Um, But I do think you just want to make sure you're taking advantage of that because we're also looking at the consumer right now and the sentiment for where they think the markets are is at historical lows. So there is no this euphoria. People were getting nervous. They're only more nervous as the markets are going down, which oddly could be a good sign. So um, I I don't think there's a point we need to wait for necessarily. Just start to get in slowly. Yeah, I'm going to try and be the sunshine on the desk. As you always are. I mean, actually, I'm not. Um, but, but Jeff, isn't this just all positioning ahead of what will be, um, you know, a 50 basis point hike next week? I mean, is this just sort of pre-gaming for, for next week's Fed party? And so next week will actually be fine or yeah. okay? Yeah, it, it, it may be. But I think, you know, I alluded to this on Twitter, I think, last night, that when you see these huge moves of 5 6 7% into earnings, and then you see these 10 15% reactions to earnings, it's indicative of a market that just doesn't know where to price a lot of these stocks. And I think it's because of the Federal Reserve. You know, we know we're getting 50, but then what's next? How far do they go? Do they do what, they're go- what they say they're going to do? You know, I think these are important questions to ask ourselves. The one thing that I think I'll I'll add a little bit of sunshine here, um, look at Amazon and look at Facebook this week, just as examples. So of the mega cap tech stocks, Amazon came into the week with the highest PE ratio at about 53 times. What did Amazon do this week? It was down 10, 11%. I don't know exactly where it closed the day. Facebook was completely the opposite. It came into this week with a 14 times forward PE. And what did it do? It was actually up for the week. So it it doesn't mean that Facebook's going to be immune to to future selling. But at the same time, it's clear that some names have re-rated from a valuation standpoint and some have not. And the market is at least giving those names some credit for better valuations. And I do that. I do think that's important. Today was also indicative of that. I think the, the queues were down you know, four and a half percent, Facebook down two and a half percent. So if you have to be long, I do think the valuation is very important right now. I, I saw what she tweeted about about, uh, you know, this the big swings being a sign that the market doesn't know how to price in the risks that we face right now. But I think that also applies to the big moves upside um, that we've seen. It works both ways. I think that we just don't know what the upside is. We don't know where the downside is. We don't know what the Fed is going to do. We don't know if the supply chain issues are going to get worse. We don't know if China is going to get worse. I mean, not to sort of bring the laundry list on as to why you should be gloomy in this markets, but this is what this is the struggle that the markets are having in terms of finding a valuation for these names. And I think Apple would be the place I would go right there, too, because it's a company that uh, had extraordinary numbers. But let's look forward because we know how great of a quarter it was. Uh, But I I look at a company that that ultimately at at 27, 28 times, which is a hybrid multiple between their hardware and their software business. uh, Do I pay the same amount for Apple in this environment? By the way, Apple, where you had a 90 billion buyback announced a company that from a a div perspective, this is a a company that 
big, large pension funds and people that need this kind of income and this kind of predictability, it's, it, it catches a bid for that reason alone at a time when you're competing now with, with interest rates for, for those kinds. So Apple's not worth what it was yesterday, even though Apple as a company, uh, Gene Munster said this last night, we've said this at different times, they are continuing to execute on a product cycle that's incredible. Um, I just don't think we're paying the same amount today. You know, what struck me as sort of ironic was that um, there are some concerns about Fidelity opening up Bitcoin to retirement accounts, saying that the Bitcoin was going to be too volatile. And yet we're seeing these massive swings, Jeff. <laughs> this got me thinking of this um, in big cap tech names and big cap stocks. You know, Amazon up or down 14 percent. Facebook the same way. I mean, how do you regard risk in your portfolio in this environment? Because where where people used to go to find relative safety is now seeing as big swings as we see in cryptocurrencies. Yeah, well, I think the good news is, Mel, to your earlier point, that you're getting downside swings and you're getting upside swings. And where you're getting upside swings, where the valuation has already been beat up. So you can get a little bit of a sense in terms of how companies are going to react to different pieces of news just based on you know, how they've been priced to date. You, know, you look at the companies that are still trading above what would be typical multiples, and that includes a company like Microsoft. Uh, you know, they are still vulnerable to these downside swings because even if, even if the earnings or other information is pristine, um, they're still getting sold. So I think that that's problematic. As it relates to Bitcoin, you know, I, I saw an interesting chart a couple of weeks ago, and if you look at high beta versus low beta stocks in the S&P 500, so the, the, the top beta companies versus the lowest beta companies, and you chart that up against Bitcoin, they're moving almost in lockstep. So that high beta factor in Bitcoin have been very highly correlated this year. And I think that that probably continues here as we move forward. There, there's certainly no, no sense in trying to hide in a place like cryptocurrency. In fact, it's likely worse there. Uh, let's bring in the chart master for more on where the markets are heading from here. Carter Worth of Worth Charting has some key levels to watch and one place you might be able to find some safety. Carter? You bet. Let's, um, before we look at the charts, I think it's important to say this, that uh, the most uh, likely setup or history shows that the precondition for shocking weakness is weakness. And so just look at two periods. Let's take the 2007-2008 period in the market before uh, we look at the chart. What we know is that the market had gone down for a year. It peaked in October of 07. And in October of 08, it was down 30%. We came in on the Monday, uh, October 6, and the market dropped 23% that week. Now, think about 1987. Um, we were already down 17%, that fateful sort of Friday, I'm sorry, October 16th. That Monday, the 19th, we dropped 23%. The precondition for weakness, shocking weakness, is weakness. And um, the question is, it, it's tempting always to think it's overdone. This is, we've got the NASDAQ down 23%, the NASDAQ 100, the S&P down, um, what, 14 and a half, 15%. And so I just would resist the temptation to think oversold, overdone, cheap. Yes, maybe, uh, as, as Jeff was saying, something like Facebook, which truly has been re-rated. But my goodness, what if many more things get re-rated as badly as it has been rated or Netflix? That implies much lower prices. In any event, let's look at the chart of the S&P. There are unfilled gaps below. Immediately below, of course, is the one from a year ago. It was uh, the 5th of April. Um, 2021, and simply getting there would be about 3% lower. And I think that's a lock. We'll get that and probably next week. The real question again is, is it finished? And there's nothing by my, in my work that suggests that the selling is over. I don't think we've had a, a capitulation day, and you typically will see that. Now, uh, 
can you buy things? I mean, in principle, I, I think it's best to, you know, postpone all new buying. But how about this? Home builders up on the week. Now, what does that say? Right. The iShares, uh, ITB, here's a, a monthly table. Look how much alpha or outperformance down ever so slightly the trailing, uh, third, you know, one month. But on the week, actually, the iShares home construction ETF was up, up this week. There are very few things that manage that. And here's an instance where they had been re-rated lower for such a long time, I think they're stabilizing. And if you have to buy something, it's as good an area to buy as any. Wow, Carter, I mean, it feels like we are trying to pull teeth out of you getting a, a buy in the market. We've seen so many things get beaten up, and, and I immediately thought, what is Carter? Is there anything that Carter Worth would think is so bad it's good? Because I think a lot of people out there at home might think, you know what, this drawdown in Amazon, it's got to be so bad it's good. What do you say? Yeah, I guess I'm inclined more towards a Facebook, more towards a Netflix, something that's uh, really uh, dropped in the order of almost half. Uh, Amazon's bad, but Amazon was just day one. It's not duration-based. I mean, Facebook and Netflix have been declining for a long time. There are people who just today finally abandoned their Amazon, which is to say there's plenty others who haven't. Uh, It's a well-loved stock. It's well-owned, and um, there's a lot of capital that could come out. All right, Carter, good to see you. Thank you. We'll see you on OA. The spirit of performance defines Acura, and now it's electric. Introducing the all-electric ZDX, Acura's most powerful SUV yet. While what powers their cars may change, the energy that makes Acura never will. Crafted using the same formula that brought them electrified supercars and multiple IMSA championships, the ZDX has track-tested performance that packs an energy all its own. With a premium Bang & Olufsen sound system and up to 313-mile range on a single charge and a Type S variant with an estimated 500 horsepower, the ZDX is everything they said electric could never be. It was built with the driver in mind, just like Acura has been doing since the beginning. We could talk all day, but the only way to experience this electric performance is to drive it yourself. Unlock the energy and order yours at Acura.com. Wouldn't it be great to have all your investment and retirement accounts in one place? Yahoo Finance, our sponsor today, makes it easy. I use it to put my investment account and 401k accounts into one hub and get expert tips that help me confidently manage my money. For more than 25 years, Yahoo Finance has been the brand behind every great investor. Whether you're a seasoned investor or are looking for that extra guidance, Yahoo Finance gives you all the tools and data you need in one place. They're the number one finance destination, producing a holistic look at the financial news cycle, including breaking news, original editorial perspectives, analyst ratings, independent research, customizable charts, and so much more. Securely link your brokerage accounts for a unified view of your wealth, including 401k and other investments. A comprehensive perspective is what sets apart great investors, and it's how Yahoo Finance ensures you have the insight to look at your wealth in its entirety. For comprehensive financial news and analysis, visit the brand behind every great investor, yahoofinance.com, the number one financial destination, yahoofinance.com. That's yahoofinance.com. About 15 minutes time, Carter Braxton Worth of Worth Charting. Um, 40-20 is Carter's level. Netflix and maybe Meta is worth putting on your list. Tim, what do you think? 
Well, I, I look at Meta, and I'll push back a little bit on, on Jeff. To say, I, I mean, I just think that these kinds of rallies, yeah, massive rally, but it still failed at the 50, and, and it was more oversold than anybody. And, and if the question in Facebook for the last year and a half has been around quality uh, and a derating of a company that isn't just even around the broader market and, and what we're paying for stocks. Facebook, we've questioned what we've been paying for, pay, for Facebook for three years. There's no reason it should outperform now. We've just heard from them that it's going to take years for them to monetize uh, the metaverse. Uh, I I, look, I don't like the fact that we've been defending, say, you know, a 330 on the triple Qs or, or a 220 on the semis. And the S&P also, you know, closed to a fresh low today on the lows. So, uh, you know, these are things that at least from technically, you know, Car Carter makes it sound like, hey, look, it's a foregone conclusion. These next couple levels next week, who really knows? But um, that's the issue. Buying oversold stocks and seeing that there's a handful of ones. Uh, I'd say you can't invest in a bad neighborhood. And right now, unfortunately, the market's a bad neighborhood. That last point, Tim, spot on. We were here yesterday. We were talking about how can we be a little bit more constructive when we're going through this earnings period? The backdrop, the macroeconomic backdrop, we are not in an accommodative situation where you can sit here and try to catch falling knives. I just don't think it works that way. The continued volatility that we've seen, okay, Facebook down, whatever it was, 35%, then it popped up 18, and I think it settled in around, you know, low, uh, low double digits. That, that intraday and continued volatility is telling you that there is still a jostling between buyers and sellers, and that's not really where I think it's prudent to establish, you know, base core positions. I think you still continue to, you know, invest via options in the short term, hate to pound the table there, and then slowly, as Courtney said, start to dollar cost average into a core position. All right, let's get over to Mike Santoli. He's out in Omaha ahead of the Berkshire Hathaway annual meeting. We will get to that in a minute because it's very exciting. It's the first time uh, this meeting is being held in person since before the pandemic. But we do want to get your thoughts on this major market sell-off, Mike. Um, we were talking about capitulation, the fact that there really aren't too many signs that one has been here. No, I wouldn't say there's anything particularly definitive. It doesn't check off every box. I mean, you know, it's one of those things where a real ugly close on a Friday, all the trend followers are, are basically uh, kind of pushing in the same direction lower. Uh, so you have that against you. Uh, you know, so I don't think there's a moment when you can say, okay, it's here. This is the, uh, this is the flush we were looking for. We're probably in the, in the general zone. The market certainly, though, has passed up a bunch of plausible reasons to, to find some traction in the last couple of weeks, right? I mean, obviously, it was April. Obviously, you had some uh, decent earnings last uh, earnings season. Once we cleared through the big tech earnings, the market kind of released higher after a correction. Uh, and, you know, I think it is worth keeping in mind, we did get a bounce in March when we got the actual confirmation of what the Fed was going to do after having sold off into it. And, you know, the stock buyback window is going to reopen. I can point to a lot of different things, but just in terms of market action, you'd have to say, uh, you know, it's, it's definitely a show me situation and there's plenty to prove ugly Friday closes as a reason that people say, you know, they're kind of untrustworthy for the buyers. You know, it's interesting, Mike, you had mentioned the March bounce that we saw because we had confirmation of what the Fed might do. And here we are with the possibility now that 75 basis points are starting to be priced into the market for the hike after next week's. And so that adds yet another layer of uncertainty to the markets here as it sort of, you know, faces off with the bond market because the bond market obviously sees all this already. Exactly. Bond markets kind of race to the spot where it seems like uh, the Fed is going. Now, the stock market, I mean, it's not as linear, right? It's not the only thing that's going to matter uh, to, to what your, you know, your equities are going to be worth is, is the path of the Fed. Uh, you know, I do think there's a, there's a case to be made that that piece of things 
is psychologically priced in, uh, but it just doesn't leave you a lot of daylight. It doesn't leave you this sort of long runway to say, yeah, now it's time to reload on risk uh, because of uh, you know, a lot of the play in the, in the range of outcomes out there. Uh, there's also the sense out there that the Fed is not unhappy to see equity valuations come down if it happens in a continued orderly way without big dislocations the way it's been so far because equity valuations is really the one piece of that goes into financial conditions that haven't really tightened up toward what you might consider uh, more neutral levels yet so all those things are in the mix uh, at some point people get too negative it becomes a buy uh, you know maybe we get the pendulum swing in terms of reactions to earnings next week even though the the bulk of the market cap is already reported all right. Tell us about what's going on behind you, Mike. Um, how many mascots have you taken selfies with so far? Uh, you know, all of that. I have uh, I've made a, a cursory uh, circuit around here, um, taking a lot of selfies with uh, shareholders. That's for sure of Berkshire Hathaway so far. You know, you, you see some inklings of concern. I have multiple questions. Is the S&P going to break 4000? But this is a crowd that's been around uh, through a few cycles for the most part. And if anything, see down markets as opportunities as opposed to something to fear. So they're probably pretty happy to see how Berkshire Hathaway shares have outperformed pretty nicely in the last year, in the last few months, even uh, coming through a lot of this. They got that quality premium in there. So uh, I will say first time for a live meeting in a few years and people are definitely embracing it. Uh, they, they, they crowded in here uh, pretty tight so far today. I'd go to the C's chocolate. Um, Mike, <laughs> good to see you. <laughs> C's is good. All right. I'll Mike bring Santa. some back for you. Okay. Quick programming note here. You can catch the entire annual meeting right here on CNBC.com. Starts tomorrow, 945 a.m. Eastern time. So you've got Buffett this weekend, a slew of earnings next week, the Fed, the jobs report. It's, it's a busy week, Courtney. How do you start thinking about the week, given the, the sell-off we saw today? Well, clearly, I don't think the earnings um, are what's driving the market right now. I mean, earnings generally have actually been good, other than a few handfuls like Amazon that I think are really grabbing our attention. So I don't really think earnings is what's going to be driving this. I think easily it's what the Fed is going to do with interest rates and what's happening with the jobs report, because it's what's happening in the macro economy. That's what people are worried about moving forward. Yeah. So I think we're going to watch that because, again, it's been a tech sell-off so far. I think there are some other opportunities. If interest rates do continue to rise, inflation is there. You want to make sure you have those inflation hedges, and I think that's something that investors are going to want to continue keeping their eye on. I, you know, it, invest like Buffett, though. And if you think about it, this is the ultimate long-range investor, the ultimate opportunist when you see these, these sell-offs. What he did in banks coming out of the financial crisis, uh, you know, look, he he's – Typically, by the way, Berkshire tends to be characterized as a financial, even though it's now, according to at least the, uh, the 13F from year end, this is a 43% Apple stock. Um, it's one of the reasons why it's been so defensive, because Apple's been so defensive. But when you look at some of the other holdings in there, and again, what, what we respect about Warren is he is ice water during these, these moments. In other words, he's cool, he's calm, he's collected, he's investing for the long term, and he's outperformed over time. That's the message to investors here. If you're buying great companies, and, and his top holdings also include Bank of America, Coca-Cola, Kraft Heinz. These are companies that are going to be there tomorrow. In the case of Coke and Heinz, they outperform in this environment. What is defensive in this market, Jeff? And is defensive today the same as defensive was a week ago? Well, I think that in terms of what's going to go up when the market is going down, I don't know that anything's safe right now, but I'll go back to my comments earlier in the show. I do think that valuation matters. I know it's not a great timing tool, but I just think in this market, 
investors are looking for companies that have re-rated and that can still show you know, reasonably good profitability in an economy that's likely to slow. So when I'm heading into next week, I, I said it last Friday, I wanted to see how Facebook reacted this week because I felt like it was a stock that had re-rated. So I wanted to see the reaction. Was the market giving names credit for that re-rating? I think AMD is, is somewhat of a similar name here. So I'll be watching that closely. Look, I want to look at Apple. I want to look at Tesla, but Apple specifically, it, it's one of the names that hasn't really cracked yet. It's sitting right on that rising 200-day moving average. What does that do next week? And then finally, from an earnings perspective, you know, a company like Starbucks, for example, you know, obviously exposed to, to retail, obviously exposed to, to higher prices in China, but its PE is at the low end of its range and it has pretty solid profitability. It has a healthy dividend yield. So what does a stock like that do after it reports? I think all of these things will be telling. It doesn't necessarily mean these stocks are going to go up when the rest of the market goes down, but are investors giving companies credit for low valuations and still solid fundamentals? That's important to determine kind of indiscriminate selling from investors that are actually trying to pick their spots finally. Yeah. Which earnings report will you be watching, Bonwin? Uh, I'll be taking a look at Starbucks. Um, I, I think it might be, you know, a, a challenging earnings season for them, given where the consumer is, given the headwinds that they've had in terms of uh, employment and labor costs and, and the unions around them. But I think that kind of gives you a barometer. It's like a ubiquitous name. Everyone expects to have their coffee in the morning. I think it kind of gives you a pulse of where we are from consumers, where we are in terms of work and traffic, things of that mm-hmm. nature. So I think that'll be something that I'll keep my eye yeah. on. Yeah, inflation, yeah. wages, all China, all, all wrapped up into one. FX. I, I, I'm going to be fascinated by Uber and Lyft. Um, Uber, you know, just because, again, this is a company that hasn't really ever made money. Um, we're holding those companies very accountable in this environment and obviously the reopening trade alive and well. All right, time now for the final trade. Did you notice we took no commercial breaks? Incredible. <laughs> Jeff Mills, what do you say? I hate to say it, but I'm going to be a seller of Apple here. I think you need to see pain in that name for the market to bottom. Courtney. I'm still getting the energy trade. I'd actually go with Chevron here. Bonowin. Uh, CBS, low valuation, inelastic demand. Tim. Walgreens Boots, again, I, I think it's the same place. I think there are parts of retail that are very defensive. I think there are parts of their pharma business that are actually picking up some steam. And I think this is a safe place to be on valuation. All right. That does it for us here on Fast Money for Friday. Do not go anywhere. Options Action is up right after this. on the horizon for financial markets? At PGIM, it's a question that over 1,400 investment professionals relentlessly research in pursuit of your long-term goals. Specialized across asset classes, but united in collaboration, our teams provide global and local expertise. Our investments shape tomorrow, today. Pursue your tomorrow with PGIM, a leading global asset manager.